Welcome to Black Health Matters. I'm Daryl Armistead, your host. This episode is a Zoom recording of Howard University group session led by Dr. Clive Callender. And the role that the mental health plays with uh, all of the stuff that goes on with athletics, with uh, with amateur as well as professional athletics, <laughs> as we see uh, many instances of uh, depression everywhere you go, and I think a lot of it is intensified by the pandemic, as we talked about it before. And one of the things to keep in mind is that. Uh, it doesn't mention it here, but it's good. It says boost your mood, but it's good for your mental health as well. Exercise is good for your mental health. And we've talked about how exercise affects the brain and the circulation, et cetera. So, well, I, I think that's been going on uh, for a long time, but I, I think with COVID, it's now being addressed. You know, if we're finally looking at it, it you know, I think people may have thought it was a stigma or something like that. It was something bad to, to hide. And now with this, you know, some of the athletes have uh, come out, you know, with, uh, with, their, with their feelings. And I, I think it's done a, a great service to everybody, really. Yeah, because that, that is, you know, it's one thing to exercise for your own good. This is another thing to make it your profession or your claim to fame that that makes it different. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is a slide I, I wanted you to put in because a lot of people talk about how antioxidants help you. And this article suggests that uh, they're overrated. <laughs> and it, it talks about all of the uh, antioxidant supplements. And you have more than 100,000 people who have been tested to try to see how it really helps or doesn't help. And you see, it did not reduce the risk for most of the people who they tested. And they talked about a lot of different areas that they test, with women being the focus of many studies and uh, looking at how it would decrease cardiovascular disease, hypertension and arteriosclerosis and so forth. And uh, the bottom line was that there was uh, little evidence that, the, that anything happened differently as a consequence of the antioxidants. That was one study. Uh, and then there's the physician study where they looked at physicians with multivitamins, which we've talked about before. They looked at MI, myocardial infarction, strokes, and hypertension. And uh, here again, uh, they looked at vitamin E and vitamin C, and they couldn't find uh, any effort, any evidence that it decreased any of those. So, and then there's another study that looked at prevention of prostate cancer with vitamin E. And that also failed to decrease the risk of cancer. Mm. So I guess the conclusion 
<laughs> was that uh, couldn't demonstrate that antioxidant did much. Any any other thoughts about that? Well, both my parents were, um, took a lot of Shackley supplements, and it didn't do them any good. Other than uh, they did lose a lot of weight from their wallets. <laughs> Anybody think differently? The evidence does not support it, but uh, that doesn't stop people from using antioxidants. Because what else do people have to go by when they tell you on television and every place that you should have this to have a better life so you believe it? Um, so it's an advertisement and I guess do doctors um, buy into this also? Dr. Callender, when they are talking to their uh, patients? Well, I don't know anybody who recommends antioxidants. I think much of it is is uh, advertisement, and uh, I don't know anybody who's opposed to it, but I don't know anybody who touts antioxidants. But don't doctors talk about getting multiple multiple vitamins, and we've had that also. I don't know any doctors who talk about that. Uh, I think if you have a vitamin deficiency, that you need to take vitamins. Uh, the evidence for multivitamins is is about as weak as evidence for antioxidants, so. <clears throat> but if you have a deficiency, then of course you need to take vitamins. So anyway, it's a subject that's been discussed much. Now this is a, an article that talks about uh, whatever doctors should watch for, but whatever doctors watch for, your patients should watch for as well, uh, because uh, these are the so-called silent killers, of course. I think the most silent one is hypertension and uh, kidney disease. But pancreatic cancer is a silent killer because we don't have any treatment for it. Five-year survival is less than 10%. So it's the deadliest solid organ cancer we have. We, we, we've gotten treatments for many things, but not much for uh, pancreatic cancer. And often it just presents itself as either no signs or symptoms or back pain. <clears throat> and, it, and it takes studies to identify it as a source of a problem. Are there known causes for pancreatic cancer? Say again? Are there any known causes for pancreatic cancer? We don't know. No, we don't really haven't been able to identify the causes for pancreatic cancer. My so, mother-in-law died of pancreatic cancer and I always thought it was the doctor's fault for not diagnosing it. Now you're telling me it's, a, it's hard to diagnose, right? Because hard to diagnose and when you diagnose it, uh, very few people are able to be effectively treated without surgical intervention. Uh, so if you get an early, pancreatic cancer diagnosis and you can have surgery and they can take it out. Uh, but still the five-year survival is still less than 10%. Dr. Callender, do, do they have um, uh, uh, cancer, I mean, uh, pancreatic, pancreatic uh, impl 
not implants, but transplants. Do they yes, but 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 not for, uh, but pancreas transplants are really for diabetics. Uh, for cancer, you have to take it out, <clears throat> and uh, uh, if you take out the whole pancreas, uh, uh, you have to be sure that there's nothing left behind before you would do a pancreatic transplant. And then, if you take it out, don't you get diabetes? Well, it, it depends. It depends how much you leave behind. If you take it out completely, yes, you would have diabetes, and that's one of the. Uh, complications of a pancreatectomy is that you would nece of necessity have diabetes because you don't have a source of insulin. Are, are people that suffer from pancreatic cancer, are they, are they diabetic before the, the cancer is diagnosed? Uh, diabetes uh, is not commonly associated with the diagnosis of uh, pancreatic cancer. Is that what you're asking? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> there's not a correlation. So, uh, Dr. Callender, um, would you, uh, is there any way to, any kind of symptoms to look for with that? I, I had uh, one of my coworkers' wife's wife had it and uh, she was gone in, in two months. I mean, period. It was, it was uh, un, uh, unbelievably quick. Uh, uh, death is it is are there any symptoms to look for or back pain is one of the common symptoms if you suddenly get jaundice that's a uh, symptom <clears throat> uh, pain uh, often is the uh, early earliest symptom but uh, the problem is that most of the symptoms occur late and uh, so the way of diagnosis by x-rays uh, and MRI and uh, CAT scans will take can identify the pancreas and identify if there's a tumor in the pancreas. Dr. Callender, uh, do, do you have any ideas of why um, Leslie, my daughter, was put on the pancreatic transplant list and then subsequently was taken off? Only she would probably know because uh, they <clears throat> sent me a letter when they put her on, but I got no information about her being taken off. So I'll have to ask her and find out what they told her. And let me she said insurance was the ones that determined that she didn't need it. What's that? The insurance company and they wouldn't pay for it. Oh, that's different. So if the insurance company wouldn't pay for it, then I guess that means she has to find another. Uh, uh, and usually they would give you the details in terms of where they would pay for the transplant. Uh, uh, and I think Leslie uh, would know the details or the Georgetown would know the details in terms of why they wouldn't pay for it. But Dr. Callender, for me, that doesn't answer the question. Uh, if you're on the list, but you're taking off of this. I mean, there are other ways you can go to GoFundMe or or something like that. You can do that uh, if the insurance won't cover you. But because the insurance won't cover you is not a good enough reason to take you off the list completely. Oh, yes, it is. 
<laughs> yes, it is because the, if if the hospital's not going to get paid for the transplant, they're not going to do it. Well, so, well, so you would have to provide ways in which you can provide the funding. In that situation, they would put you back on. If that okay, is that answers the question for me. In other words, if you wanted to set up a GoFundMe page and solicit donations, then that would be a good enough reason to keep you on the list. No, you'd have to raise the funds. You got to raise the funds first. Right. And I think uh, pancreas transplant, I forget how much uh, pancreas transplant would cost. It's, uh, I, I've forgotten exactly how much it would cost, but I know it's uh, probably around uh, a couple of hundred thousand dollars. But yeah, if it's, if it's insurance, then it's not medical, and that's that's the tragedy of uh, of uh, the insurance you have. Sometimes the insurance will not cover at one center, but will cover at another center. So the details of the reason why the insurance was uh, why it was decided they wouldn't pay for it. it becomes important. So you need to talk with the insurance coverer and find out are there centers for which they will pay for transplant or not because I don't know what kind of insurance she has. Yeah, well that answers the question for me. It's not the insurance company that took her off the list. It was the hospital. No, no, but wait, wait a minute. It's, it's the same thing. If you don't have coverage, if you don't have, it is the insurance. If the insurance doesn't pay for it, then you don't have any coverage. So don't say it's not the insurance. It is well, what, the insurance. I, what I meant by not the insurance, the actual entity that takes you off the list is the hospital that puts you on the list. That's true. But uh, uh, it is the fact that you don't have any way of paying for your, uh, your transplant. Is the reason why the hospital took you off the list. Right, but that's based upon the insurance company saying they wouldn't pay for the transplant. Got it. I got it. Yeah. So it's it's a double whammy. So the question is, why wouldn't the insurance company pay for it? And if they wouldn't pay for it there, would they pay for it anywhere? Or do they just not pay for pancreas transplant at all? I don't know. That's a question that you'd have to ask the insurance company. Yeah, well, I did find out that they do, this insurance company, they do uh, cover uh, pancreatic transplants. It's just in her particular case, they said no. Well, you need to know why. Is it because of the transplant center or is it because of what about her is different that made it not uh, cover why is she not covered then? That that becomes an issue. Right? You need to find out why. Why did the insurance company elected not to uh, uh, cover her? Because that becomes important. Because uh, you say if they cover it, well then what circumstances do they cover it, and why is she not coverable? Those are the questions that you need to ask the insurance company. And is is it related to where she's being transplanted because sometimes insurance companies only pay for transplant at certain centers. And uh, I, I, those are the uh, answers you need to get. Yeah.
Now, this is an silent heart attacks occur, uh, particularly with diabetics, uh, but they occur uh, to a lot of people. They just don't know about it. They don't have any uh, symptoms and they just have sometimes shortness of breath or fatigue and that's uh, all that they get. Most people have pain, but not everybody. So silent heart attacks is something that uh, uh, I remember the first transplant I did. Uh, he died 17 years later, but he had a heart attack uh, after the transplant, a silent MI. So it didn't affect his survival, but silent heart attacks are known to occur. Next is colorectal cancer, which is why we recommend colonoscopy because uh, uh, you want to get it before it develops. So you want to get it when you have the polyps that are, are the commonest cause of the cancer. And so you have colonoscopy, find polyps, take out the polyps, which are the commonest cause of the cancer. And that's uh, one of the ways that we try to address this uh, cancer, which often can be late in, in developing signs and symptoms as well. Then, of course, uh, next is hypertension, which is a well-known silent killer because uh, the time you get symptoms is when the hypertension is already affected your body parts, whether it's your heart, your kidneys, or your brain. So that uh, getting your blood pressure checked at least once or twice a year and having a blood pressure apparatus at home so you can check it yourself become important. And once you find you have the disease, uh, it's, it's pretty clear now that uh, medications or ways of dealing with hypertension, including exercise and uh, nutrition uh, may often avoid the need for pharmacotherapy. Uh, so that the first thing you do, if you have high blood pressure is you exercise, you lose weight. And uh, if that doesn't work, then they put you on medications. But, uh, uh, but exercise and nutrition are probably the, the initial way to address hypertension. So a third of Americans have uh, blood pressure, but many of them are not aware of it. What is the age at which you should start getting your, your young people checked for hypertension? Anybody have any idea? What age did you start looking for it? 12. Yes, age of 12. Sounds pretty young, but that's the age, age of 12. Well, a lot of kids start smoking at that age, 11, 12 years old. Well, it's a practice that uh, parents should condemn, but uh, what can you say? But, but I yeah. think it's, it's a sedentary um, children not moving. You know, they've taken recess out of schools, children being last key kids, and they're not moving and playing as much as children of two or three or four decades ago. So uh, children just looking at television and playing on their phones and et cetera. So, right, 
and playing games, video games. They're not moving, they're not exercising. So they have, and they're gaining weight. And their parents should, uh, should uh, prevent that from happening. They're exercising their thumbs. Because the, uh, <laughs> because the schools have uh, uh, not fulfilled their responsibility anymore. But that doesn't mean the parents should. Yeah, um, I had my grandchildren over and something they know now, but the first couple of times I said, go outside and play. That was like a foreign statement to them. What do you mean go outside and play? They would rather, <laughs> they'd rather stay in and play on their phone and video games than you would have to take them and say, well, what are we going to play outside? Their creativity <laughs> and all of that has dissipated. Wow. Children no longer have that. But That's if they go outside enough, they'll find out there's sticks or something to play. You don't have to have organized games for children. Yeah. And of course, uh, depending on where you live, you go outside, you may get shot. But anyway, Ooh. it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's important that parents exercise their responsibility, uh, whether they uh, find ways to get them to exercise in the house or outside of the house. Now, this is something that is well known now that uh, heart disease affects men and women differently. And uh, sometimes it's symptomatic, sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's demonstrated by pain in the neck, pain in the chest, pain in the shoulder, pain in the arm, or shortness of breath, easy fatigability. Those are things. Of course, the risk factors, heart disease, uh, nicotine, as you mentioned already, diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, obesity, and lack of physical activity. Uh, and then any kind of pain in the neck or chest uh, or shoulder can be uh, symptoms of heart disease. Many of the uh, heart disease studies early on in, involved only men, which was uh, unfortunate. And so the signs and symptoms of women were really particularly emphasized. And women were not treated uh, as often for disease as men were. And as a consequence, uh, it took a long time before people realized that women present sometimes very differently uh, than men. Uh, and uh, uh, this then becomes important because uh, one size does not fit all. So any, any <laughs> as it says here, any symptom between the navel and the nose that comes on with exertion, uh, it goes away with rest, these be considered as a possible evidence of a heart attack. Because there's so many different ways that uh, it may present. And uh, Dr. Callender, the difference between between um, deaths of heart attack between 
men and women in this country is interesting too because I think we've learned on this group session that um, far as deaths, heart attack is higher on the list for women than men. Yeah. And uh, one of them is because uh, I think women are not treated the same way as men are. They are less likely to be recommended to have uh, open heart surgery or coronary artery uh, stents than men. And uh, so it's, uh, it's, it's sad to say, but there's discrimination, uh, gender discrimination, uh, which uh, means that women have to be more sensitive to any symptoms that they have and, 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 and tell their physician about it because uh, it presents so differently in women than it does in men. Um, I like that, that insert knowledge is powerful, is power, uh, getting, you know, materials out for them to read. Uh, read about in the Washington Post yesterday, there was a judge and she was taking on the Trump people that were in the riot. And it wasn't because, but she educated them, told them to read books on history and et cetera. And some of them actually changed because they're thirsts for knowledge and they did not know the structure of America or the history or the laws. So of course, believe what was taught to them. But she, did, she only persuaded them by giving them books to read so they could be educated and that's knowledge is power. So like women and men, if they know about what to look for and these symptoms and everything and be an advocate for yourself because knowledge is power. So true, so true. Okay, uh, well, I, I don't know, you know, it's interesting. They talk about fungus spreading cities and, and one of the problems is that some of the funguses they have now, especially this one, uh, is not uh, very treatable. So uh, what, it, what it emphasizes is the importance of cleanliness and uh, uh, trying to prevent infection of any kind. Because now we have some funguses as is talked about here that often are not easy to treat. And uh, this then is to me a call for us to be, uh, when they used to say cleanliness is next to godliness. Uh, so preventing infection is really what is the essence of this. Yeah, uh, because the problem with this is that they don't really have a good treatment for it. Yeah, Doc, I, I, um, I jumped right on this because they said it was in D.C. that they noticed it. So, whoa, let's be careful. Yeah, well, the, the treatment, the problem is that it's resistant. So the best treatment is prevention because uh, they don't have a good treatment for it. You know, one, 
Yeah, and this is another issue that uh, people coming from out of the country have brought in this virus. Uh, and uh, it's scary because uh, we haven't been used to treating it, so. So people who come from other countries, uh, uh, and I think this is one of the. What's the problem is when you go to another country, they they they, they give you tests to identify how you whether or not you have this, and they give you uh, vaccinations. But when somebody comes from another country. Uh, who has not uh, or has this kind of disease and it can be contagious and uh... now what does this do to people who come from Africa does this make them uh, suspect I don't know I guess so Now this is this this is an article that becomes important because I just had a, somebody call me because they uh, had COVID and their parent is a hundred years old. They were afraid that they would give their parent COVID, and so in this kind of situation, uh, this is where the COVID nineteen antibody can be used to prevent uh, COVID. And so this antibody uh, can be given to those people, for example, somebody's on steroids or, uh, and who's exposed to uh, COVID. This is the kind of person for whom these kinds of antibody treatments are, can be effective. So it's good to know that there is a treatment for those, for those people who have been exposed to COVID uh, that can prevent them from getting COVID. So it's good to know that this kind of treatment is available. Many people are not aware of it and therefore when they get exposed, they do nothing except quarantine them. But if you're a high risk, uh, you should uh, get the antibody treatment. It's pretty expensive though, isn't it, Doc? Yes. But it's the only treatment we know that uh, works. Now, this is a, a important uh, information that uh, people who are fully immunized can spread the Delta variant as well as unvaccinated people. But the problem is, situation is that the people who are unvaccinated are likely to get severe disease and may die. Whereas the people who uh, are vaccinated may often have be asymptomatic, but they can still spread. So it, this is the reason why they went back to 
recommending masks. Kind of surprising. And uh, one of the things that it points out is that we don't know everything about COVID and we're learning more and more every day. Uh, and so we have to be welcome to uh, new information that helps us to understand more and more about COVID. At the same time, are we learning more and more about viruses in general? We're learning more and more about COVID. I don't think uh, one size does not fit all. Um, this is another controversial issue uh, because it's clear to me that there's a certain subsection of patients who need vaccine boosters. And, and those are people who are immunosuppressed. And certain countries, for example, UK has uh, decided that all transplant patients or immunosuppressed patients should get a booster dose. So that everybody does not need to be have booster shots, but those people who are immunosuppressed do. And I think uh, World Health Organization is trying to emphasize getting everybody vaccinated, which I think is very important. Uh, but it does not does not change the situation that immunosuppressed patients may need to get a booster shot. So everybody doesn't need a booster shot, but Suppress patients may need to boost the show. Calendar, what, what about um, the, the elderly? You think uh, there's a, an argument to support um, uh, 65 and up to get the booster shot? Not yet, no. Not yet. Okay. There's no evidence that that's the case. Now, I think this uh, uh, Delta variant uh, uh, caused us to remask again. I think that's uh, the change. And the, the change is suggested because that beats the lockdown, because that's the next uh, thing that would come if you didn't have uh, the mask. Now, of course, the best way is to have 100% uh, vaccination uh, but we don't have that we still we've made it to 70 percent but we we still got many people who do not wish to be vaccinated what's next what else can you do we've tried money we've tried all kinds of things uh, and uh, still people, significant number of people, I think only 70% of the staff at the hospital have been vaccinated, 95% of the doctors, but only 70% of the staff have been vaccinated. So, and with this uh, 
variant, which is a thousand times more contagious than the original virus, it becomes important because it spreads much more rapidly. Uh, do, you, do you know if uh, the the mode of spread is any different? Is it still uh, aerosol? Yes. Yeah, the mo mode is, is, is much more aggressive and easily spread by uh, oral as well as uh, uh, by, even by touching. So that uh, unlike the original one, which was primarily by uh, uh, oral transmission. Uh, this is uh, uh, hyper-transmissible. But... Uh, but the only truism is that uh, the more people that get vaccinated, the better off we are because those unvaccinated become the source of more infections and more variants. So Dr. Callender, did they yes. find, did they find that um, before the COVID 1.0 that people had various symptoms like my brother and my two nieces, they got it back in uh, March, 2020. But, um, and my brother distinctly remembers that he lost his uh, sense of taste and smell and so on. Are there any specific um, symptoms for the Delta variant that people are getting? Yeah, yeah, they are, uh, but they are different from uh, the, uh, the traditional COVID because they can just be, uh, go straight to pneumonia. Uh, as an early symptom, uh, you can have diarrhea. Uh, and so uh, the Delta variant uh, may or may not be associated with high fever and the like. Uh, so uh, that's why uh, uh, the Delta variant is, is much more problematic because it, uh, not only uh, goes to the respiratory tract, but goes right down to the lungs. And so the earliest sign may be shortness of breath. And uh, that's why the concern about the mortality rate is not as high as for uh, COVID, the original COVID variety, but the transmissibility is a thousand times more often. Also keep in mind that uh, uh, many viruses are capable of causing you to lose taste and uh, smell. It's not only the COVID virus, but the uh, uh, influenza virus will do the same things. So viruses are known to do that. So uh, the loss of taste and smell doesn't mean necessarily it's COVID. It means you had a virus, but it may may not have been COVID. Oh, okay. The way to test that would be to see if you have antibodies to COVID. Then the next one that's coming is Lambda, which is not as, uh, as uh, affected by the vaccine. How effective, we don't know. So it hasn't come in the United States yet, but it may be coming. It's 
in Peru, I think, is where they first identified it. And uh, whether it's going to be everywhere else in the world, we shall see. And how effective the vaccine against it has not yet been clarified. Doc, this, this article says something worse than both of those is coming. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> but who knows? <laughs> yeah. The well, one thing I said about the Delta variant is that uh, uh, it's it's supposed to not be as long lasting as the uh, as the original uh, virus, because in India and in UK it didn't last as long. Uh, but uh, one of the things about it was it was associated with less mortality. Most of the uh, studies indicate, uh, but it's much more contagious, but not quite as lethal as uh, the original variant. So, have they found out if the you know Delta people get long haul Delta? We don't know yet because it's, we haven't because it hasn't been around long enough for us to tell. That long haul of COVID. Uh, We'll have to take time because this is just, this is new, so we don't know. Mm. So we, we will just have to wait it out and see. We will know soon. Meanwhile, we, uh, can fear the worst, but we don't really know, don't have a lot of evidence. So time will tell. My goodness. Now, I, I've gotten my uh, Moderna. And what I heard was that people on immunosuppressants, it, it might be effective 45%. So if you get the booster, what, how, how much of the percentage goes up? That it's it going goes to be up to about 90%. Oh, oh really? 90%. Oh, okay. So that's why they're suggesting. Uh, there are studies that were done at Hopkins and that, uh, in New York that indicated that uh, it went up from 45% to 70 to 90%. Uh, with a booster shot. Okay. Is the vaccine as a booster any different than the initial two doses? No. Okay, so if someone wanted to get their own booster, they could just go to a CVS and say, I haven't been vaccinated, and then get a booster. <laughs> yeah, you could do that. <laughs> they are working on uh, an updated version of uh, the Pfizer. I'm not sure about Moderna, but they are working on uh, uh, a more powerful version of, of the Pfizer vaccine. Well, all, all you need is a booster, so uh, it, it wouldn't matter whether you had Pfizer or Moderna for a booster shot. Because evidence suggests that uh, whether you got one or the other, 
a booster shot would be effective. Does that also work with Johnson and Johnson? I don't. We don't know about Johnson and Johnson. There hasn't. There isn't data on Johnson and Johnson, uh, so I don't know. Do you know why they didn't um, approve AstraZeneca here in the U.S.? Yeah, they they had some. Uh, I guess they were not satisfied that it was as effective as the others, and and they also had some concerns about some side effects. So. They asked them to uh, uh, re repeat the studies and come back again. That's but it, it is in some European countries. It is still used. So are they working on a pill form, like an anti-COVID viral pill form now? They are working on that. I don't know where they are in that process. But they are working on this. This this shows even while these deaths are going up exponentially, people are out there uh, protesting against vaccinations. It's insane. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Look at that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what can you say? I don't. I don't. I don't understand that. You know, well, people are people, so. Well, the problem is that the more unvaccinated, the more likely to have variants. And uh, so. Doc, what, what uh, is shocking to me, remember, I think it was a month ago, when Delta was first show, when it first showed up in China, and they shut down that that one county, somebody came back from India with it, and they they went to a a, a backyard barbecue or something like that, and everybody at the barbecue got it, and uh, and they, you know, from that point to now, it spread over the whole world. It's you know that's that's very evidence. A lot of evidence about the, the strength of this is, you know, it's like smallpox. Did they say, oh, chickenpox? Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I'm, I'm going to be wearing my mask indoors. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. You and I both. <laughs> I wear too. <laughs> yeah. Did Delta variant come from India? Yes. That's where it was first identified. And this lambda is from Peru. Hmm. You know, the, what, what some people don't realize, I think most people are becoming aware that uh, viruses are uh, genetic machines and they are constantly evolving, constantly mutating. And the more copies uh, the, the more chance for genetic mutation and therefore uh, uh, they, they, there's a chance that they will have an advantage over their uh, victims, you know, 
and every different kind of way to that you can think of a an advantage could arise they are going to come up with because of the 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 billions of copies of the virus in one person that there's billions of viruses and therefore the the heightened uh, degree of mutation and possibility that's going to get worse and worse and worse. Well, you know, one thing that's uh, clear, there's nothing new under the sun. So this is the same thing that happened with the Spanish flu 100 years ago. So it's not new. John Buchanan, what you just said makes viruses no different than human beings. Well, diversity is what keeps us going and that's what keeps the virus going. <laughs> yeah, there's no difference. I don't think, what, what he, the way he explained it, you know, they keep mutating, they keep multiplying and they take advantage of their victims. <laughs> so do we. He's smart. <laughs> so do we, that's why we need to value our diversity because that's what, that's what keeps us going. Looking back a hundred years ago at the Spanish flu, they eventually reached herd immunity and the virus petered out, although it killed right. a million people. That's right. Or 50 million people uh, with it, or whatever the number was. So yeah, 55 million. So, yeah. so eventually, um, you know, this virus and all of its variants peter out, but they're just a human price to pay. Right, a huge price, yeah. Didn't they get it, and then it went away for about a year, or went less, and then came back again with World War One? Well, two, two, no, two years. It was two years. Oh, nineteen eighteen and nineteen nineteen. Okay. Yeah. Just like this one, it's two thousand. We got to, it, it's. We it started in two thousand twenty, and it's probably with us until two thousand twenty-two, probably. I think. I think it was around in November, December, 2019. It was. Well, that's when it started, but it wasn't <laughs> evident in the world until 2020. You're right, it started in November, December, but we didn't get it until uh, late December and early January. When in doubt, wear a mask, yeah. Mm -hmm. and, um, Good advice. That's the safest advice. Although you don't see it everywhere. I keep spray with me. Anybody gets up, walks up on me, I just pull it out and start spraying. I'm like, back off. <laughs> hey, back off. Yeah, the most effective spray is going to be bear spray. That'll keep people away. Park <laughs> <laughs> behind me in the shopping line so that they can't walk up on me and start putting things on. Mm -mm. Nope. Look at this figure. This is kind of scary. <laughs> 97 people entering hospitals for COVID are not unvaccinated. And the 99.5% of all deaths among unvaccinated people. Scary, isn't it? Wow. And you'd think that the uh, anti-vax people would, would uh, face up to the numbers. They talk about I mean, now you have over 200 million Americans who are vaccinated. So you can't say you don't have enough experience. So that argument is kind of thrown out of the window. 
So the question is, what are the anti-vaccination people saying now? Well, it's the power of social media. If the only information you're getting is saying that this vaccine is too new, it can't be trusted, the side effects will kill you. If that's all they're getting from social media, it's like uh, they can't wake up and smell the coffee. Sad, 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 sad. Why is Florida so backward, though? Because they got stupid people in charge down there. Sorry. <laughs> DeSantis, he's an idiot. Sorry about that. They have a lot of beaches down there, and a lot of people take their spring break down there. And yeah, people, that's true. And people have summer homes down there. Johnny, wow. You can't call beach you can't call people beaches anymore. That's not political. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Do they wear masks on the beaches? Nope. No. I didn't think so. I was at a baseball game uh day before yesterday, Tuesday. And uh Nobody had a mask on in their seats. Ooh. They didn't require masks unless you were indoors, like in the bathroom or in a store. Did they ask about vaccination? No. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, uh, up on Martha's Vineyard, we went to a, a lecture with uh, Michael uh I forget his name now, and uh, the, the 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 preacher, and uh, so you had to show your your uh, vaccination card to get in. Oh, really? And everybody was masked as well. So oh, we okay. All felt, they took it seriously. Oh yeah, yeah, very seriously. I think if businesses and um, industry take it serious and know that they're going to be hurt financially they will put it a mandate to get the vaccination and wear masks so their business and economy can go on yeah we just got a uh, uh indication from the president of the university that uh all faculty and staff will be required to get the vaccination by a certain date. And if they do not get it, they will be terminated. The, uh, the, the lecture I was speaking of was, uh, that was Michael Eric Dyson. And uh, the, the, the co-speaker was the, uh, the, the woman that we just talked about, uh, newly installed at, at Howard. Um, I, I forget her name right now, but the, uh, uh, she won the award, the, was it a Pulitzer Prize? Oh, the author? The author, the yeah. author. Right. When they refused to let go, let her um, do her thing in their university. Yeah, to give her tenure. Yeah. Yeah. She was brilliant. She is awesome. And Michael Eric Dyson is awesome also, of course. I think I remember her name. Wasn't her name Georgia Dunstan? No, no, no. No, no. <laughs> this is the, the, the newly installed woman at Howard University. Yeah. Sixteen nineteen lady. Yeah. Yes, sixteen nineteen. Well, it's uh it's clear that probably all hospitals 
will also be requiring their staff uh, to be vaccinated as well, with a date certain, uh, giving people time to get the first and second shots. Um, Dr. Callender, what religious group or denomination or whatever says that you cannot get vaccinated? I'm not aware of, of that information. Well, I keep hearing people saying for religious purposes, and I know it's not Baptist, but I was trying to figure out what religious organization, Christianity, Buddhism, whoever is against vaccinations, period. Probably, yeah, I don't know. Probably Christ scientists. So they can't get vaccinated at all for anything? Or transfusions, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of transfusions, Dr. Callender, uh, <clears throat> Vera Bullock joined us and she had a burning question about transfusion. Um, Vera, can you uh, ask your question? Yeah, can you hear me? Yes, I can yes. hear you. My question was, if a person has several was it any, have it, any studies been done on people that receive several transfusions as to how it would affect their livelihood or their, or their behavior, the recipient of the transfusions? Have any studies been done, blood transfusions that they receive? Uh, have any studies been done on whether blood transfusions affect what? Long-term effects. There's no, there's no study that I know of that has uh, demonstrated any impact of transfusions on long-term effects. I know sometimes, excuse me, I know sometimes, and I've heard in the past where a person might get sick because the transfusion was not, the blood was not good. Um, and it leads to diseases, but I don't know if any studies have been done on it. So that was my question about the it. studies have been done, but Has I don't anything? know any studies that demonstrate a negative impact. Now there have been studies that shown that uh, people who have multiple transfusions are more likely to get infections. Uh, so that study has been done, uh, but uh, in terms I know because I read something. Uh-huh. Yeah. But nothing long term. Okay. Nothing that I know of that has demonstrated an impact, except that the more the more transfusions you get, the more likely you are to uh be exposed to infection. Uh, uh that's the only study I know that has demonstrated a negative. Are the infections are the infections deadly? Uh all, all that I know is that you can, you're more likely to get an infection. Uh, they uh, they oh, okay. didn't characterize the infection. Uh, okay. I've, I've been a blood donor for uh, uh, a long time, um, 18 years or, or more, maybe even 20 years. And before, yeah. the, before they even store the blood, they, uh, they tested, there's the, the screening is, um, is very rigorous and uh, every sample of blood is, is tested for uh, transmissible 
uh, diseases. So, yeah. Uh, back to the question of religions that prohibit vaccination. I just Googled an article and I came up with a uh, history of vaccines from the College of Physicians of Philadelphia. And it says that um, Islam is the only religion in the world that has come into friction with vaccine recommendations. Muslim religious authorities have declared vaccines to be unacceptable since, according to them, vaccines contain pork-derived products. In Islam, consuming pork is forbidden. And in, of the major religions practiced in the United States, only the Church of Christ scientists, whose adherents are known as Christian scientists, uh, are the two, uh, well, along with um, Dutch Reformed, two religious groups that openly discourage vaccination. So Islam and the Christian scientists, huh? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Back to the uh, discussion about blood transfusion and infections and whether some are deadly or not. Well, the point is that infections in general can lead to death if they are not um, taken care of. Thank you. Um, okay, well, that's good to know about the two religions. Uh, uh, isn't that interesting how they uh, <laughs> how DeSantis has taken his position strongly and uh, I don't know why they try to involve uh, Fauci in it I mean if, if they decide they want to do that don't try to put it on Fauci hey, That's he, there. he's had hundreds of death threats as a result of this, he's been mm -hmm. being demonized. It, uh, these people are first ones in line to go to the hospital if something happens. Right. <laughs> I was wondering if, um, does the uh, COVID go into the blood? So are they testing? I don't know how it works, but if someone gives a transfusion and they've had COVID, is it in the blood? Well, it, it, usually you have to be negative before you become a donor. Oh, okay. okay. So if you're positive, you couldn't be a donor. This is one thing, they have rigorous testing of the donors. As a matter of fact, they won't even let uh, men who have sex with men be donors. I thought that changed. Didn't that change? No, has oh. not changed. Not at the NIH. That has not changed yet. Yeah. Well, there's ways around that, though. Did they think about? I mean, yeah. well, well right now they, they, they do not accept uh, men who have sex with men as donors. Oh. Um, the question. Well, back they also to why don't. They also don't accept accept blood from people who have tattoos. Okay. Uh, I don't know about but that, that. I do blood, I was doing a blood drive at my church for several years with the Red Cross. And if you have tattoos, they don't let you donate blood. Okay. All right. Yeah, they're very particular, which is good. Yeah. I've had a couple of transfusions. 
and my outcome was I'm still here. So I'm like, okay, good. (laughs) (laughs) Going back to Florida, why they're in there, there's um, a phenomenon that's going across the United States. I'm not saying that they're cult, but it's their line of thinking of going along with Trump and he just say something negative about Pfizer. Anything he says negative about, even though he goes and gets the vaccine, people, I don't know if they have a <laughs> cult or how their mind is made up, but they believe still he has a power over their mind and their being. And they believe so much <laughs> that anything he says. Yeah. So since Trump said mm. that, we got so much it's a disease in america we've never had it before where the people's mindset and they're following a leader and i don't know if it's cultism or what it's called so it's trumpism but what he says um impacts their very soul and being yeah but then he snuck out and got his vaccination too didn't he it doesn't matter when he made that one negative statement about Fauci, and they go on there. Even though he got his, that still didn't persuade him. And he said, don't wear a mask one time. And that has controlled people. And even if he put it on for a second, that doesn't matter to them. Okay. I look at it as mindset from 1943, 44, 45. It's, okay, that mindset of the 40s is now in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, well, let's move beyond Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Google says that if you got that there's either a three or six month waiting period before you can donate blood. Say what? I didn't hear that. Google says if you've gotten a tattoo, there's either a three or six month waiting period before you can do- donate blood. I see. Okay. You can donate if you have a tattoo, but you have to wait. Right. You know, the difference is like, did you go to a sterile ta- uh, tattoo facility? Uh, if you went to a sterile place, uh, it's three months. If uh, your, your cellmate in jail did the tattoo, you got to wait six months. Uh, and then they're still arguing about if you've had a tattoo, can you go to heaven? That's a big argument on Google. <laughs> well, we just didn't, we didn't know who they went, who or where they went to get it. So I agreed with the Red Cross. Tattoos. That makes sense. No blood. Yeah, blood. because you, you don't have any way of checking. So they, they didn't did bring the, any food. The safest thing. They did the safest thing. Yeah. Well, this is the article that talks about that uh, uh, in spite of the uh, Delta infection uh, at the tip of Cape Cod, which people go to vacation that uh, uh, we talked about this earlier, how that uh, is effective against uh, Delta. But that also, you remember, it still uh, was still in the uh, the cavities of uh, vaccinated people. So the fact that they could still spread it, whether they got the infection or not, was an important aspect, which is why masks are so important. But one thing it did demonstrate 
is that the vaccine is effective against the Delta variant. Well, uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how things play out over the next uh, couple of months because we have the fall coming up, which is time for the flu season again. So we'll be talking about vaccinations for the flu, uh, which people usually start doing uh, the end of September or the beginning of October. Well, What's in there? Listen, in flu vaccinated. Do I need a flu shot this year? What's that? Since I'm fully vaccinated for COVID. Do I need a flu shot this year? Yes. Yes, you do. <laughs> Didn't the flu go down last year because people were- Markedly, yeah, because we were behaving uh, uh, sensibly. Uh, we were isolating and uh, socially uh, distancing and and being clean. So yes, the flu rate was lower than it has been in decades. And washing also. Yeah, but you still need to still need to be vaccinated. Some people before. Uh, um, COVID came and weren't washing their hands at all. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, it's changed life for most of us. Yeah. Well, better late than never. We got to 70%. The question is uh, uh, is that going to give us herd immunity? And apparently not, <laughs> since we get all this uh, Delta deaths and uh, so. Well, uh, I'm, I'm mentioning this uh, because I got my buddy um, uh, who's um, who hasn't gotten the shingles vaccination. He's on dialysis and he just got shingles. And so I just search has uh, shingles increased since COVID. And um, let's see, if you have COVID, it says that your chances of getting shingles are greatly increased. So a plug for getting a shingles vaccination if you haven't already had one, because if you have, you've had chicken pox uh, in the past, you're a candidate for shingles. And as a two times shingles sufferer, I can tell you that this is something you don't want. It's horrible. So get your shingles vaccination. Thank you very much. Very good. Well, this this just shows you know over four million people dead from COVID, and uh, more than six hundred thousand Americans dead, and people still don't want to be vaccinated. Two hundred million cases. Yeah. Two hundred million cases, four million dead. And still, yeah. 
What caused me to get the uh, vaccination was I'd rather dance with the devil I know than the one I don't. And so I knew in my situation being immunosuppressed that I most probably would not survive COVID if I got it. And uh, I figured I would most probably survive a vaccine. So. Good judgment. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I like that point. <laughs> the only question is whether uh, uh, you also need a, a booster. I'm getting the booster. Yeah. Yeah. Me three. <laughs> these stories about these people who not been vaccinated who died from COVID are frightening. But people still go through it all the time. That's kind of sad about the Washington football team. I think only 60% of them were uh, vaccinated until People started complaining about it. Yeah, the coach especially. Because he's chemotherapy, and a cancer survivor. Yeah. Oh. And uh, the uh, the commissioner let him know said if if the team cancels uh, a game, they lose all the money. Okay, so they're going to use lose millions of dollars for a canceled game due to uh, COVID outbreaks within the teams. Yeah. Now, John, is that just with uh, one person coming down with it or? No, it, it means if you don't have enough players to play. Right. Because one person wouldn't stop the show. But if you've got a number of patients, persons out and you can't play because of the lack of eligible players then and it's due to covid then you will lose money two weeks ago the the nationals had four players and eight staff members who were positive hmm. so they had to cancel a game oh four monkeys will stop a show <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's so politically incorrect <laughs> well, look, 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 this yeah. is interesting uh, this should help some people who are uh, reluctant uh, who, who thought he couldn't get it who got it and uh, affected his wife and children oh by the way uh, Janice couldn't be on today because she had a leak in her refrigerator and had to called the plumber and uh, Flavia said that she was out of town and she'll be back with us maybe next week but I thought of Janice when when you said you know her son I guess he thinks he's invincible yeah right 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 yeah well many of the invincibles are coming down with COVID so Dr. Callender, this is Dolores. And my my question is, I took my mother to the emergency room. I took her to a doctor's appointment because she fell and broke her arm and wouldn't go to the emergency room when she did it. So I got her in the doctor's office. He, he called over. He sent us to the emergency room. Well, another senior came in 
and came in from urgent care from somewhere else and they had all her records and stuff with them and she was sick but her daughter kept saying well she just has you know she just has fluid on her lungs and then somebody asked her a question she said no we ain't she ain't taking no COVID shot and I didn't take it either and everybody looked at her like are you kidding us so people started moving you know and then she got mad because when they finally called her mother and took her mom back, but they didn't take her back there where all of the other patients were. They had her someplace else, but they wouldn't. She said, well, how come I can't come back? That's my mother. And she has dementia sometimes and all of this other stuff. And they were like, lady, it's better enough we got your mother in here. She, it appears that she's got COVID symptoms. So now we got to test her. No, don't test her and don't give her that, put that stuff in her. I said, oh, Lord. It was crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. And I couldn't understand it. Yeah. And how do you treat a person like that? You know, you can't. Well, they have rights. I guess. They have rights rights like anybody else. So they have the right not to accept treatment. So what can you do? I know in the hospital, if they don't get COVID testing, they probably will not be treated. Yeah, when I was admitted, I got the COVID test, and then yeah. I had to be in a special room all by myself for three hours, looking out the window. <laughs> it's like, oh, and yeah, then, that's that's the rule. So yeah, then they yeah. let me up on the floor, so that was good. <laughs> yeah, but these are interesting times. Interesting times. Hmm. Well, uh, this is clear. We've uh, discussed this, and uh, hopefully, no lockdown because the impact upon the finances of the country are so negative that uh, they're not likely to lock down, whether they need to or not. I think the uh, reason why he can say that is because 70% of Americans are vaccinated. If they weren't vaccinated, he would have to lock down. Dr. Callender, this is Sylvia. Is there any um, information on costs, like for those who uh, are not insured and have COVID and the extra costs that it's generating for hospitals and creating additional bad debt or anything like that? Any sets on any kind of information like are you that? Talking about the hospital or the patient? The hospital. Oh yeah. The hospital, yeah, there are there are funds available. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Special COVID funds are available. Okay. And for the patient too, if they if they're diagnosed with COVID, is there any reimbursement to them for? Not, not that I know of. Certainly for the hospital, I know there is. I don't I don't know about any reimbursement for the for the patient. Yeah, so I don't think they're talking a lot about what the additional costs are to patients. You know, maybe that might be an incentive. Maybe. I don't know any. Uh, most of the costs are to the hospital. 
Uh, and I don't know uh, that they have been, that that has been raised as an issue. So I don't know the answer to that question. Mm -hmm. What about schools? What's the latest on schools? Uh, there still is a lot of discussion. Well, Georgia schools are open. George, this is Vera. Georgia schools are open, and most of them that was home for last last semester or last year um, are now back in the classrooms. They all have to wear a mask. Yeah. What about DC? DC. I don't know about DC. DC. They are planning to have people go back to school kids and teachers and the teachers and the students have to wear masks. Now in Montgomery County, I just heard from my daughter-in-law that they're this fall, they're going to give the uh, parents a choice whether that they can send their kids to school or whether they want them to go virtual. So they're giving them a choice in, in Howard County. They have a choice. DC, they they're opening up for school. Rochelle is getting ready to come on the line. What about churches? My church had yeah, planned open. to open up in uh, September, but now the Delta variant is causing people to change their minds on opening up in September. Well, you know, I went to a funeral. Uh, last week. And uh, what was interesting was that they told the people in the audience that they could sing as long as they wore masks. But then when the choir sang, they took off their masks. I thought that was very interesting. Uh, not, not wise, but very interesting. Carol, tell us about the new uh, singer's mask that they have out now that costs about $20, $25, specially designed for people who want to sing. Carol, are you on the line? Yeah, you just told them. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about them. Tell us more, honey. You just said it. There's uh, one of my um, friends who's an opera singer uh, and even when he's doing opera or singing at musicals or whatever, as things opened up, he's got a singer's mask and he told me about it. I went online and there is a singer's mask. And another guy I met um, who teaches instrumental music at this college, he had an instrumental mask where you can unzip it and where he could play his instrument. And then when he's through playing his instrument, he zips it or flaps it back. So they have two types of masks, one for singers and it's there so you can sing and breathe correctly. And the uh, um, moisture that goes out, it will be in. And so it's called a singer's mask. It costs a little bit more. And the instrumental music, um, people that are playing instruments, especially um, wind instruments, they have a mask particular for them. It costs more than regular masks. But I don't think the vocalists or choir 
members are really, it hasn't been introduced to them, but you're right, Dr. Callender. Vocalists now, even praise teams and everything, they take off their mask, they sing, and then they put them back on as soon as they're through. What's amazing to me, churches are opening up for funerals, but they're slowly opening up for worship service. And I know a lot of churches, they open up, they um, letting the congregation come for funerals, but for their regular worship service on Sundays, they're not opening up. But a lot of churches are opening in this vicinity in September, or they're trying to anyway. So they're worshiping the dead instead of worshiping the Lord. <laughs> no, that's not true. They're worshiping the Lord when the people are dead. Like okay. Worshiping the dead. Whatever you say, clean it up for me. <laughs> I think people would take a different... Uh, um, different way if for some reason every time we would breathe out exhale purple gas would come out so you can literally <laughs> see people's exhalations and people would scatter and move they would not you know be all up on each other and stuff that's the they Mickey would... mask huh? <laughs> <laughs> but that's the interesting. other the... interesting thought though <laughs> But the other thing, though, is that a lot of this is spread from aerosol droplets in the air. Yeah, and that's why it bothered me a bit when I saw the uh, choir singing uh, without masks, and uh, because I, I thought that that was prohibited. But well, and then fans going blowing it around. Well, that's a hot <laughs> flash. <laughs> You're singing, you get a hot flash, so you just spread it. Yeah, get your fan out and spread your germs. Any new members today? We got returning members. Rochelle, back after not being here last week. And um, Dolores. Dolores is back. And Vera is on from, from a while back. And Linda. From 10 years. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming yeah. up December is my 10-year anniversary for my transfer. Wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. Time flies. Time flies. Yeah. You know, we're, okay. we're talking about uh, breath and if you could have like a purple mist, and it got me thinking about um, you know, if there's some way to tell if somebody had bad breath, and it is true, <laughs> gum and mint sales are down during the pandemic because people aren't as uh, with social distancing, they don't have to protect their bad breath. So those sales. One of the uh, first learns when you first put on the mask, at least I did. One needs to brush one's teeth before you put the mask on. And the first yeah. time I put it on, I was like, oh, oh no, no. Mm -mm. Yeah. So, Got to smell your own breath. Yeah. So maybe a lot of the is <laughs> they may just maybe brush your teeth first or something. I don't know. Yeah. Well, the cosmetic industry or makeup industry has lost sales. And I noticed one time I accidentally put on lipstick and had a mask on. So you really don't need to wear lipstick when you got a mask on. So those industries, they should be lacking, but I guess they're still selling. I don't know. 
Well, we need a group session and talking about how toxic lipstick generally is. That's some nasty stuff y'all put on. <laughs> From the food store, it's okay. It's beeswax. <laughs> but it, it is, and it is toxic, and I know that. Uh, and things that you put on, ladies, what you put on your face and et cetera, um, your skin is healthier without makeup on or even putting the eyelash stuff and covering up my eyebrow. But anyway, that is toxic. And Or you use it one time and then get something new, then it's too expensive. But putting lipstick on is definitely toxic to you because it's going into the pores of your skin. And I shouldn't put on lipstick, but I want to look younger. I don't have any on now, though, but anyway. Black women are naturally beautiful. We don't crack. Y'all don't need makeup. Y'all stop wearing that, and you'd be beautiful anyway. Oh, oh thank you. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you, Daryl. Yeah. I have a comment. I have a comment. This is Vera. If you would, if the women would still use a cleaner and an astringent on their face, their complexion, comes out beautifully without the makeup. Right. Okay, if you should uh, clean your skin before you go out and put on, you know, tint uh, or something on your face without makeup, it really improves your features and your own good looks. Thank right? you for that. I needed that. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, so since I've been... Since I've been brainwashed, after I retired, I finally stopped dyeing my hair because I know that was toxic too. But it's a slow process, very slow process because I've been indoctrinated all these years. You know, black hair and put on a lot of makeup and looking good, fake eyelashes and all that kind of stuff. But I'm slowly evolving, trying to be my natural self like you men on here. They never had that for you men. Y'all don't care. Y'all don't put on nothing and et cetera. Y'all... You should live longer, but I don't know why as women, we live longer with all this toxic stuff on it. It's I don't we women. But y'all women need to stop straightening your hair yeah. and putting on them permanents. Those permanents are just as toxic as they can be. Y'all go natural, please. I need yeah. to see everybody natural next group session. That's uh, I'll talk to you later. I'm, okay, whatever. I still brainwash. <laughs> By the way, next week, I think we're going to have a discussion on depression by one of the psychiatrists. So, uh, oh, okay. See you all next week. Have a nice weekend. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Calendar. <laughs> I hope I'm not. <laughs>